It's time once again for our winter giveaway. This giveaway is very simple to enter. Um, be a patron. So the easiest way to enter is go to patreon.com slash comicsfunprofit. Become a patron at any level at our Patreon um, site, and you can do it that way. You can also enter by going to Threadless and buying some merch and tagging us in a photo of you in said merch. So if you like one of our T-shirts or hats or whatever, and you go to th- you go to comicsfunprofit.threadless.com and find uh, all our merch and like some of it, buy it, wear it. You can either tag us in social uh, with you wearing it or send us a photo of you wearing it and you're entered. So those are the two ways. Be a patron and buy merch. Um, and then you get entered in our in our winter giveaway, which is fun swag giveaways of um, photos and stickers and signed comics, um, just like our fall giveaway was. And we had five lucky winners win stuff in our fall, fall giveaway. So we're hoping to um, have as many entrants this time that we can give away that many again. So be a patron, buy merch, enter the winter giveaway. Thanks. Check out beacons.ai slash comics fun profit for all the C4 fap links you could ever need all in one place. You can provide feedback, listen, support, share, enjoy these. We have our Patreon there. You can buy us a beer or a coffee. You can check out our Instagrams, our Twitters, our Facebooks. Check out our YouTube page. You can email us. You can listen to our podcasts on Patreon, if you're a subscriber, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on Podbean. We have Google Podcasts on there. We have an Amazon wish list. You want to buy Kyle and I something? Fine. You can do that here. We appreciate it. We have Kyle's RPG podcast listed on there, so you can check out his Dork Day Afternoon offerings. We have Cowabunga links, so you can check out the Cowabunga Deep Discount FOC and Pre-Order list. Get on that. That's RLCS, so you can check that out as well. And we want to just give you opportunities to say hi, to check out what we're doing, support us if you would like, or just listen. Check out beacons.ai slash comics fun profit for all the c4 fap links you could ever need thanks back to the show aloha it's jason from hawaii welcome to a special edition of the comics for fun and profit podcast in this episode i will be interviewing comic book creator storyboard artist gabriel hardman he is here to promote his three-part um story that is in the dc anthology series batman the Brave and the Bold. Issue 7 is out in stores right now. Issue 8 comes out on December 26th. And he will be, you know, he is also, we have a lot in store for this episode. He will be promoting his Patreon page. And Gabriel will be talking about his storyboard work on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This movie is already out on Disney Plus and is available to purchase, you know, on Blu-ray and wherever you can get um, digital copies. Gabriel. Welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. Listeners, I'm just going to go over some of Gabriel's past works. Gabriel and Karina Becco, they did Planet of the Apes for Boom Studios, and they did The Invisible Republic and Green Lantern. Um, Gabriel, correct me if I'm wrong. I know your first artwork you did was on the War Machine series in the mid-90s. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. I mean, it was uh, um, back then it was uh, it was done under a different name. But uh, but yes, that is correct. <laughs> OK. All right. And then you also wrote Andrew Kinsky. Um, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have several books out there that I've just written and drawn by myself. The Kinsky, the Belfry, uh, uh, you know, a few other things. OK, thank you. And then also, too, I also want to point out to listeners you did a short story in the Koshak 50th anniversary um, original graphic novel. Can I ask, you know, can you talk a little bit about your love for Kolchak? That was a great story. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Kolchak is a lot of fun. It's, um, I, I, you know, I mean, I think that I didn't as much grow up with it. I mean, I think that um, I, I wasn't, I also wasn't in the biggest X-Files fan in the world. I like the X-Files, but the, uh, but I think that I first heard about it from Chris Carter, from talk, Chris Carter talking about it uh, through the X-Files and, yes. mm-hmm. uh, and then, um uh, and then like went back and caught up on it. And I, you know, Darren McGavin is, Darren McGavin is great in it. And, yes. and there's just a kind of, um, you know, the, there's, there's a fun charm to it, especially for the, in those t- first two like TV movies. And, oh yes. Uh, you know, and, but I still, I like, I like the series as well. And really when the, uh, when the possibility of doing that came up, it just felt like, uh, you know, I mean, it was a little after the pandemic and which uh, I had not had the opportunity to do a lot of comics and uh, for a while. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so doing a story like that, uh, it it just felt like a, like a fun, interesting way to get back into it. The kind of story that I could tell the kind of thing that, uh, Mm -hmm. that I enjoy, Um, you know, I just, it was something, it, it sounded like a really fun challenge to me. So yes, listeners, if you guys get a chance, if you can track down this original graphic novel, um, it's a great story. I love it. And there's other stories, short stories by other well-known creators and artists as well. Um, I'm going to go over some of the storyboard artwork that you've done in the past. You've worked on, you've done some storyboard art on X-Men 2, Superman Returns, especially the space shuttle scene, mm-hmm. right? The one where yeah. he's saving it before it crash lands into the mm-hmm. um, ball bar. I love that scene. Yeah, that was, the, I mean, uh, those movies that were, done with Brian Singer there was a um it was a, a interesting situation for me or just because I was not really um I wasn't given a lot of direction by Brian Singer so <laughs> I was com- coming on and kind of t- you know uh producing those sequences and presenting them to him <laughs> uh you know but in mostly just with the storyboards in X2 I, <laughs> X2 most of what I did in X2 the opening sequence with Nightcrawler <gasps> oh my uh, but the um, and then the then on Superman, yes, we really like um, there was no script. We had we had been working on uh, a remake of Logan's Run for months that mm-hmm. wasn't quite working and getting yes. going. Then Singer made some deal to make a Superman movie. And yes. Basically, just everybody from the Logan's Run movie moved over to Superman like mm-hmm. over a weekend. But yeah. there was no script for Superman. Mm-hmm. And the um and so. He was going off to write that with the writers and I, you know, and I was just basically given uh, it's a it's a he has to save a plane with the space mm-hmm. shuttle on it and they have to mm-hmm. land in a, in a ballpark. And that was it. So like uh, and there was some, there was a little bit of material that had been developed for earlier versions of it that I kind of went through and took good things from. Mm-hmm. And uh, the and so like I just had a team of previs artists, the, mm-hmm. you know, 3D animated previs artists who uh, who worked. We developed that whole sequence while they were off writing the script. Mm-hmm. 
that's a little bit why it feels like it's not as much a part of the rest of the movie. I feel like it feels a little different than the rest of the movie, but we were making the Superman movie we wanted to see. Yes, yeah. They came back with a script that was not so much the movie that, <laughs> that, uh, that I wanted to see. Uh, but, um, and that, and weirdly though, that, and I ultimately chose, uh, I mean, for reasons that I think a, a lot of people know about Brian Singer these days, uh, yes. um, I, I was not so interested in traveling to Australia, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and for nine months with them. So, mm -hmm. uh, so like I did all this work in LA and then when they left, I was like, I don't think I'm going to keep going. So like, the main thing that I did was this, was that, that kind of set mm -hmm. piece sequence. And then my assumption was they because we'd put it all together with music and mm -hmm. you know stuff and to present yes. it to him and brian actually only contributed two shots to it were uh that were both insert shots mm -hmm. but the um but like i my expectation was that that was just all gonna really you know i was gone from the show that was gonna change and everything mm -hmm. and when i saw the movie i was like well you could run this next to the previous we did it's the same sequence you know <laughs> so like it, it i mean i'm not exactly taking credit for it. a whole bunch of people were oh, yes. you know involved did it and that what i was doing is not directing but it but like it certainly was the basis for that sequence was what we created while they were mm -hmm. right but gabriel i'm gonna say because like you said um like i said superman returns that space shuttle scene you know i that's one of the things that just stood out for me and i love it x-men 2 oh my god that beginning scene with nightcrawler in the white house i'm like holy cow and that's one of the things i still and um a couple of years ago when i was when i saw x2 on disney plus i'm like i'm gonna watch it i watched that first sequence and after that i was like oh they're at the museum now okay well i'll stop you know <laughs> it's like, yeah i don't know i haven't seen the movie since it came out i mean this is a little bit of a thing for me because i i just you know i put tons and tons of work into these things and mm -hmm. then and i'm you know it's my job and i spend mm -hmm. months on it and then i I'll see the movie when it premieres or whatever, but I feel like I've spent so much of, this, of my life with this thing. Like, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not spending time going back and watching these movies. So, oh, yeah. like, it's been oh, a yeah. long time since I've seen that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, um, I mean, those were circumstances where the circumstances of making the films themselves may have been a little bit weird or difficult, but I, you know, I was, like, given, I, I had the opportunity to just create some stuff and, Okay, sorry. I'm going to move on because now you are the storyboard artist on um, some other movies. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Austin Powers was your first movie that you did. You were the story that, artist yes, for the whole correct. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interstellar, if I'm correct me if mm -hmm. I'm wrong. Inception, yes. Ford versus Ferrari, and Logan. Yeah, these those are all movies I worked on. I worked on a lot of movies, but those are certainly some of the highlights. Yeah, yeah but I'm going to say I love Logan. It it um um i love it because it it i mean i know it's a i know it's a comic book movie but it felt more like an updated version of clint eastwood's unforgiven you know yeah, it definitely we everybody went into it with the intention that it was a western that it yeah. was kind of an elegiac western that the you know that like it uh and not you know not really to treat it like a you know even you know it's also but, you know, it's in the future. It's, yes. you know, there's a lot of different textures going on there. And um, and I was involved with that, you know, through quite a bit. I mean, there were completely different versions of the script early on when, mm -hmm. I, when I was working on it. It's something that was being developed the whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, because I, I came on relatively early. I had actually worked with uh, Jim Mangold, uh, the director, on uh, on a film 
Deep Blue Goodbye, which is based on a, a John D. McDonald novel that mm -hmm. Christian Bale was going to star in, but then didn't happen at the very last minute. So, okay. uh, like, and then the, you know, then the follow up to that ended up being Logan. And so I ended up kind of working on that from the start. I, I got along with Jim Mangold, I continue to get along with Jim Mangold. Yes. And, um, uh, and so, like, it was an interesting part of the process to, to you know, that it, the way that it developed and the way that it kind of turned into the thing it was from mm -hmm. it was a lot, the early version of it was a much more of like a seventies conspiracy movie. Oh, uh, and uh, this, uh, this like, I, I think where it ended up was the right place for it. To, yes. Uh, and um, you know, and I was very involved in that and uh, you know, I, I was, and I was certainly happy and in any way that I could leaned into Mm -hmm. something more like a western something more like you know uh, mm -hmm. uh less like uh, a conventional superhero movie uh, yes mm -hmm. you know that period anyway and uh like uh, because i just i'm honestly like i mean if you look at my resume i've worked on uh you know several key superhero movies but they don't interest me that much and it's not mm -hmm. really what uh it's not you know as opposed to in comics where uh where i can um taking uh you know something like the green lantern mm -hmm. series and and able to just create a story that i'm interested in telling mm -hmm. for the most part the you know working on storyboards uh, is often a situation where you know i'm hired for a job and i'm not necessarily not interested in it and i'm not really interested in most superhero movies so like mm -hmm. it's uh the uh like the uh the ones where it's doing something different doing yes. something interesting like logan are mm -hmm. you know are, are certainly what i'm more drawn to yes i'm gonna say gabriel i'm gonna say i understand um i'm gonna say and please i'm not making a knock at you i mean i love superhero movies i also love how they do like i said logan is one of the movies i mean even though it's based on a comic book character it, it's kind of sort of grounded in reality the feelings um you know um you know the emotion be you know, emotions it, it that's what draws me into logan or i'm going to put out another one that i still love even though it's batman's in it is the dark knight you know it, even though sure, batman's sure. in it joker's yeah, in yeah. it but you pull those characters you take their names out it, it's like a crime drama sure yeah and i mean i think that uh but the thing is, I mean, you know, in a comic, you can you you get all you can get all of that. You can do all of that in, yes. a, in a comic as well. I mean, the emotional depth and all mm -hmm. of that yes. stuff. Um, you know, I mean, I think that the problem is not movies where, you know, I mean, it, the problem, it doesn't have anything to do with superheroes exactly. I mean, I think that they're, the fact that superhero movies are overwhelming, uh, you know, uh, like for the last 20 years has yeah. has turned into a problem at this point. Mm -hmm. But the um, but like. I uh, I think that ultimately it's just about telling a story about characters. Is this yes. a compelling thing? Is like, you know, not characters in the sense people think of as like a Superman or a Batman or whatever. Are these human beings yes. that, you know, we're telling a story about, you know? And um, like, and when, when stuff succeeds for real in a way right. that will hold up beyond visual effects and mm -hmm. whatever, you know, uh, you know, see you know post-credit scenes and all the sort of uh circus part of it you know like the thing that that makes a movie hold up is the formally the way it's made and investing it yes well said sorry i'm going to continue on um 
Also, one last thing I want to mention, I have to mention this. Gabriel is at times a co-host for some of the um word balloon episodes that you, um you and John yeah. Tetris do, right? Do you guys yeah, have yeah. fun? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we did it for quite a while. I mean, like the uh, John Suntress has multiple podcasts in his world balloon world. And uh, and during, uh, you know, during pandemic times, uh, during lockdown times, we uh, I, you know, I was uh, I was talking about I was talking on uh, social media about uh, wanting to that. I wish I could listen to a podcast about the original outer limits TV show because yes. I really like that show. Yes. And I, you know, and I, I felt like, I wish I knew more about this. I wish mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I wish I just had something to listen to while I'm working about it. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, uh, and then John approached me and he was like, we should do a podcast about the outer limits. And then I was like, well, that defeats the purpose of me listening, to, <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, like, then I'm the one doing all of the work to get this done. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but like, uh, but then I thought, you know, why not? Cause, cause, you know, things were extraordinarily grim at that time. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the, uh, and so having, uh, some, you know, just being locked in the house with me and the Zeta, my dog and Margo, the cat and, uh, uh, Cash, the turtle, uh, it was, uh, it was a little bit, it was, you know, it was getting a little, uh, mm -hmm. uh difficult. So like, um, uh, that, you know, it gave me something to every week we'd record a podcast about yes. the episode. I'd do research on it. I'd, yes. you know, bring stuff to it and have, you know, uh, and, you know, and generally we'd have a good conversation about it. It's, it's and I do think I still think that there's a lot of interest in that interesting stuff about that show that yes. has nothing to do with just genre television or or comparing it to the Twilight Zone or things like that, mm -hmm. because such interesting people were involved in it and doing yes. things where, you know, uh, they were percolating ideas about, you mm -hmm. know, uh, like, you know, how it was shot and the visuals and the, yes. you know, and the casts that, that, that were in it that would all go on to be really important, you know, mm -hmm. within 10 years in the 70s. Yes. So like, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff, like the acorn of a lot of the interesting 70s cinema is in that show. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to get into all that. So we did every episode of uh, of, of The Outer Limits. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we covered every episode of The Outer Limits. We cover, and, then, uh, and then we did uh, an even more obscure show about uh, about 1950s, uh, uh, you know, live television dramas. And, uh, and we did that for quite a while too, uh, called Kinescope. Uh, those are actually there. I mean, really, I wanted to do that for the same reason. The the people who made those live TV yes. shows, uh, John Frankenheimer, who, uh, you know, who directed, um, you know, Manchurian Candidate and yes. tons of other things. He was one of the greatest live television directors, Sidney Lumet, uh, you know, tons of actors that mm -hmm. appeared in them before they were stars. And uh, and I think that it's, a, it's an enormously fascinating era. Uh, so we got to dive into a lot of that. And we've done one-off shows where we just review individuals as well. Uh, sometimes great movies like Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Sometimes mm -hmm. terrible, the original terrible one, movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, the original. And sometimes <laughs> terrible movies um, <laughs> uh, like Skidoo, uh, Auto Preminger's Skidoo. But the uh, but like uh, but those have been fun. They're intermittent. We'll, you know, so we'll occasionally come back and do them. Also, uh, very frequently, uh, Ian Brill would, uh, my uh, our oh, friend yes. Ian Brill would join us on it. Uh, you know, sometimes Jeff Parker, sometimes mm -hmm. Andy Parks, you know, other comics friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was always, it, it, as much as anything though, like, especially when multiple people were on, it was great to just uh, have a chance to socialize afterwards. We'd end up talking for hours and hours and hours after we recorded the mm -hmm. podcast. 
Absolutely. just because you know it was there was it was not uh, uh this a lot of this was like before vaccines and stuff even, yes you know yeah. so like uh it was uh it, it was a it was a it was a positive thing for a while there but then you know as the world gets going again john does mm-hmm. his podcast all the time but like yes. i got other stuff to do yeah so <laughs> i can't I, you know <laughs> all right um let me just finish wrapping. I just want to give a couple of shout outs. I want to give a shout out to um, John Suntress for having a hand um, with this episode. So, John, thank you very much. I got some of my information from the IndieCast episode 337 that's dated September 29th, 2023. Uh, Mitch Halleck, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the co-organizer of Terrificon, interviewed yeah. you for the Indiana Jones movie that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And also, I got some information, of course, from John's um, War Balloon that's titled Gabriel Hardman Talks Aquaman. That was just it dated um, December 5th. Um, if you guys get a chance, listeners, if you guys get a chance, please check out these great interviews. I love the interview that you and Mitch did. You, It sounded like you guys had so much fun doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think probably because, I mean, uh, Mitch and John are good friends and I feel <laughs> like, you know, I know they do podcasts together. So I yes. think that he was, he was, uh, you know, he was ready for my, my more caustic version of, uh, <laughs> of giving an interview. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was good. All right. Now, um, Gabriel, I'm going to ask, you know, feel free, please promote your, where can listeners follow you on social media? And if you have a website, uh, I, on, uh, on blue sky currently mm-hmm. mo- for the most part right now okay. i mean i still occasionally post on the former twitter uh um just for promotional things mostly i'm on blue sky so if you you know if you get on there look for me uh and uh, um as gabriel hardman i'm gabriel hardman art on instagram uh and uh, i'm i'm i think the same on threads mm-hmm. if that's what it's even called i can barely remember <laughs> i've on there i'm on there occasionally um the uh so uh, you know it's you could find me a few places and uh and i'm always uh, you know i'll certainly always promote all the stuff there and yes. mm-hmm. then uh talk about whatever movies that i'm watching at the time all right now no pun intended gabriel let's just jump right into your um brave and the bold story it's called communion it's a three-part story what's the story about uh, it's it's an Aquaman story. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a a sort of like fun, slightly Silver Age tinged uh, Aquaman story. Um, the uh, uh, that I wanted to do something, you know, a little bit broader and lighter. Since this is, I mean, this actually is one of the very few things that I've done that's actually in the like continuity DC universe, oh. mm-hmm. more or less. Okay. You know, uh the I mean the Green Lantern books were their own thing. Yes. The um uh the you know and I I've you know I've done other you know other stuff there but mo- but this is and you know short stories and stuff and yes. you know th- but this is a I just wanted to uh you know this involves uh the space alien dominators that yes. uh, you know that people might remember from the invasion miniseries in the late 80s yes uh, there's uh there's you know and it's uh and i'd been trying to get dominators into things in the past but the um mm-hmm. and it also involves gorilla city and uh, these these weird disparate elements will come together over the course of these three parts I mean, my the big appeal to me with uh with doing this is i love doing serial i do love doing serialized storytelling so i like structuring something towards a towards a cliffhanger i like Mm -hmm. you know uh, i like leaning into the the formal opportunities that it presents 
And um, and I pitched I pitched Aquaman. I mean, they didn't come to me exactly. I, okay. I met, uh, you know, I knew Ben Abernathy, uh, who's the editor uh, um, and now big shot editor over there. And like, uh, and I ran into him at San Diego Comic-Con at a DC party and mm -hmm. uh, we were talking and he was like, hey, I have this, you know, uh, and I mean, I was saying I would like to do more stuff. And, yes. uh, and he, he's, he, uh, you know, he offered this, uh, you know, this brave and the bold thing. And, um, you know, and I, I really, you know, I, I like, I, you know, I, I, I chose Aquaman to pitch, um, mainly because I just felt like it's a difficult, you know, it's not the easiest character. It's, it, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, you know, people don't always have a great way of getting a handle on him and uh, yes I, you know and i like a challenge i always mm -hmm. want to do something that's a challenge mm -hmm. and um you know and i liked i like the idea of um trying to even though i'm having this go off in different directions i really wanted to connect you know him with uh you know with, literally with the fish and the undersea world and the in a way where it feels like you know uh even though i open it in a very classic aquaman way mm -hmm. confronting uh people about overfishing mm -hmm. uh like i i uh and i think that you mentioned something about this to me beforehand but the but uh the uh but i like i i just uh you know there's a there's a thing where where a fish is trying to find him and reaching yes. out to him and uh and like yeah he treats the fish like his friend. These, these, this is the world he's from, right? He's not yeah. ruling them. He's of, of them. And, uh, you know, and like, uh, uh, and I, and I, and I, you know, I, I, but I, but, and I like just, uh, I, I'm, you know, something that appeals to me a lot is, uh, it, particularly in adventure oriented stories is having, you know, characters who just have friends and pals and people yes. that they can, you know, rely mm -hmm. on, but also the, the friendships are tested. Uh, that's a little bit less the case with this and a really mm -hmm. with Aquaman and a really ugly fish. But, uh, you know, but and also, look, I like I like this is a deep sea, an ugly looking deep sea fish. And, uh, and you know, and I like the and I always like the idea of not, uh, you know, uh, not treating characters based on how they look, not treating, yeah. you know, like having, you know, having it be about, you know, yes. uh, you know, about the actual bonds between, you know, different characters. So um, uh, and. But this is also reflected in the, uh, you know, uh, in the dominators who have a similar sort of look to, right? Uh, and uh, <laughs> the, uh, yes. so, like thematically, these yes. things, even though this is a very goofy little story, I'm o I'm always looking for these thematic things that play against yes. each other. And so, uh, so like the, uh, and then, but in the in the following two chapters, a lot of this stuff, at least, uh, you know, the why the dominators are, are in this story mm -hmm. and in this undersea facility mm -hmm. uh, and what gorillas have to do with all of this will become, you know, become more clear. Uh, and, uh, you know, and like a lot of stories I, I, I like to tell, it's it's about, you know, it's kind of about hubris and it's about, you know, uh, um, uh, mm -hmm. about reaching for, you know, like uh, it. it, it I mean, I, I don't want to spoil it, but it's but it's oh, about yeah. um uh it, it's it, it's about a sort of generational divide in uh Gorilla City that's brought okay. all of this off. All right, okay, <laughs> all right. So listeners, I, I I'm sorry, I, I know you guys probably want to listen a little bit more about this about Gabriel's comic, but I want to start moving on to the um Dial of Destiny. But before I say before I get into that, Gabriel, like I you I love part one. 
I mean, I'm back for buying part two and three. I I am. I have it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And it's funny because like I the thing that I've I mean, I've basically always kind of avoided doing a monthly comic Mm -hmm. or a monthly superhero comic, like freelancer monthly superhero comic. I've done monthly comics before. But the um, uh, but because I just don't I don't really I don't I want to tell an individual story. I want to tell something that is, you know, that is not just a part of kind of like a churn of continuity or something like that. But the, um, but I love the idea of serialized stuff and I love, I would, you know, I still, there is still definitely part of me that, that wishes I, I could do, I could just drop into an already going, uh, you know, um, series, try to make it something Mm -hmm. that, uh, that interests me and, uh, you know, and, and tell a whole story. But uh, I don't think I'll ever do that. It's a lot of there's a lot of work in a market that's not uh, not going that direction. So, mm, uh, yeah. um, you know, my my focus has always really been on, you know, in the superhero world on telling contained stories, mm-hmm. you know, yes. if at all possible, graphic novels. And, uh, you know, and so if I do another at DC or whatever, uh, it, it's likely to be something like that. But um, I know you didn't ask this question, but I answered it anyway. No, that's okay. It's just thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to say let's I'm going to start talking about storyboarding and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So you are kind of following the tradition of comic book artists that are working on the Indiana Jones movie. And I'm going to say you I know you must have seen at least a couple of his artworks. Jim Steranko did a number of artworks for Raiders. Oh mm-hmm. my God, those! Were... Oh yeah, those keyframes he did for it. And I, I don't, I don't know, I don't think he did boards, but the, uh, oh, but, yeah. but what I, I mean, the way that I started on indie was working on keyframes, very similar, uh, you know, because it's, you know, and that's actually been the process working with Jim uh, Mangold on on several of the or on the movies we've worked on where. At the, I will come on at the earliest stage of things mm-hmm. when there's barely a script, if there's one at all, mm-hmm. and just start generating like single image mm-hmm. keyframes that suggest things and mm-hmm. start to develop sequences to a degree and like uh, just put ideas forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and so that just as a way and also developing a kind of tone. I mean, we all kind of know what the tone of this, uh, of the indie movies was, but we were also making a slightly different indie movie kind of by, yes. uh, because it had to be, because it had to be like, it's not Harrison is going to, you know, Harrison was 78, 79 years old. Yes. In the movie, right. It's not going to be like, you know, uh, like the earlier Indiana Jones movies. And I'm, 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 uh, I actually am. Uh, I really like the way that the the film went. I like the different yes. tone of it. I like, yes. you know, I certainly loved working on the opening sequence, which was just making it as Spielbergy as possible, right? And um, but uh, but like I uh, but I did really. I I do ultimately think that it you know the movie went the right right way, and I I, yes. I think it's. Gabriel, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask this because I know you already started to give some ideas what a storyboard artist do. But yeah, so I'm going to ask the dumb question. But can you tell me, you know, for me and listeners, like, what what is a storyboard artist? What what do you do? And also to you, also you don't work alone. You have to coordinate with other departments in the on, that people working in the film. So can can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean. It's uh, I mean, the the base 
baseline idea of a storyboard artist is that you're there to create a kind of visual document for the crew uh mm-hmm. so that the, a kind of a visual version of the script that the crew could look at and understand yes. what the director wants they can yes. understand what equipment to bring on the day they'll understand mm-hmm. which parts of it are visual effects and which parts are shot live action all that sort of stuff um the the reality of it's a little more complicated than that at least for me because i'm i i, I always work directly with the director of the film mm-hmm. uh and a lot of the but a lot of the times it's not i mean it's very very rare that um that you know, I'm getting like a shot list from the director and then I'm just drawing those shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I'm doing is going in and taking a shot at sequences. Sometimes they're not even written, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. they're just concepts and uh, or pitching. I'm pitching a concept of how something can go oh, okay. to the storyboards. And uh, the and I'm uh, so I'll just I, generally I'm taking a shot. at it, And if it's with somebody like uh, Jim Mangold, showing it to him, he has a million notes. Then we just start in on it and start developing it and developing it. And, uh, you know, I'll uh, uh, over. But on indie in particular, uh, I was um, a lot. I mean, a lot of my work was I would take a shot, shots at these sequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, The um, sometimes they were fully scripted, certainly later in the process. They would be Mm -hmm. scripted, like in the early days, not so much. And uh, and then. I would give those uh, give those boards to uh, the editors. Then the editors were, you know, the picture editors for the film. The, mm-hmm. They won an Oscar for Ford Ferrari, you know, like the, you know, and so, yes. uh, but they all come on very early in the process now because like uh, digital filmmaking has just changed the filmmaking process to a degree that everything is almost happening all at once. Like mm-hmm. there, uh, the development of the, the visual effects the editing, all that stuff is kind of going from the beginning as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of the discrete uh, phases of, of production that they used to have in the past when mm-hmm. it was shot on film and a lot slower. So the um, so I'm 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 drawing the boards. I'm giving them to uh, to Drew, one of the editors. He's cutting them together. We're getting on a on a Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. He's running it for me. And mm-hmm. then I'm going, well, what? You no, know, maybe we should move this here. And well, mm-hmm. what about yeah. that? And then I'll draw a new and he'll or he'll suggest that something could work better someplace. Yes. I'll draw a new board. We put that in. Mm-hmm. So we just develop that quite a bit. Then we show that to Jim, the director. He gives a bunch of notes. We go through a million versions of all this, but it's all it, it it's all very collaborative. And it actually was probably a lot more collaborative on indie because. A huge part of the uh, of the pre-production of this movie happened during the height of the the yes. pandemic mm-hmm. lockdown. So we were all, you know, you're all available all the time. Yes, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, you know, like there, where else are you going to be? And uh, so the um, uh, I, you know, we we spent an enormous amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, just. Uh, interacting over this stuff, meeting over it, going over, you know, different iterations of the sequences. And, uh, uh, and I mean, I, in that way, it was, a, it was a really positive experience for me. I mean, I started on the movie the day before uh, LA shut down. So like, I, mm-hmm. you know, it was all that, like, I, you know, I, all of my actual work on the movie was just done from home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like, uh, you know, which kind of sucked because I did, I would have loved to be on set, yes. which I have many times in the past on other films, uh, but COVID protocols and everything just made that mm-hmm. impossible. And yes. they shot in England and then, in, and, you know, mm-hmm. in Greece and in in, uh, in Morocco and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, you know, just 
traveling with uh, with the COVID stuff. But even if I traveled there, the COVID restrictions on set would have kept me from ever going on set. Oh. So uh, mm. so like uh, the um, uh, but that said, it was still, you know, it, it certainly was still uh, a great mm -hmm. for me to be able to work on and, and certainly work on through the mm -hmm. pandemic. It was very dark times for me. So like working on that was a really, you know, having something to focus on. Now I'm going to, I have to ask this one question. I know in the, uh, when Mitch was talking to you, I know you, you, you know, you, you know, you were, you're maintaining your professionalism and everything. I'm going to ask you who called you to work on this film? You know, can you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, it was, uh, well, I mean, one of the producers on it, oh, okay. uh, um, uh, Anthony Dixon, is uh, who I'm friendly with. Uh, you know, we had been already been talking because there were multiple projects that may or may not go mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, a, a biopic about Bob Dylan that uh, Jim was working on, mm -hmm. and uh, there was another another bigger project too. And uh, the uh, and so uh, I, I got a call from Dixon saying, you know, uh, and he said hey are you available we uh jim has another project that's going to start going mm -hmm. real quickly and i can't tell you what it is and i'm like okay because i never take things where they i mean i honestly <laughs> just don't even return phone calls when people act like secrecy so big that they won't tell you what they want mm -hmm. but like uh you know he's like well i can't i can't tell you what it is but i but it involves harrison ford and a bullwhip and, <laughs> uh, so, like uh and so i was like oh okay uh and uh you know and since nobody had heard about this at the time like yeah. nobody was yes there was nothing there's no rumors or anything about jim doing you know doing you know the the indiana jones movie like uh it, it was very much like all right i don't know where this came from yeah. <laughs> uh but uh but let me just say uh it's it's nice to to i am a huge like raiders of the lost ark is one of my top movies of all time yes absolutely it's mm -hmm. a movie i saw as a as a kid was obsessed with it's yes. never gotten old for me and uh but um but at the same time i am not i don't necessarily pursue working on things i'm a fan of yeah it's, it's... that's a, that's a mm -hmm. thing that like from the outside mm -hmm. uh, uh, it sounds like of course why wouldn't you just want to you know work on something that you have this kind of mm -hmm. connection to the reality of it is often the experience of working on something can burn out your love of something right that's true well, like, yes and yeah. you know uh and like i for you know uh the the possibility of working on the previous indiana jones movie mm -hmm. came up at one point the on crystal skull yes uh, and uh you know and at the time i was working with ben stiller on uh, traffic thunder at the time and oh I, yeah uh, and i uh so it was both it was it was also on the universal lot i ran into the production designer of indiana mm -hmm. jones he asked me if you know uh about uh about coming on there to work on it and uh, I wasn't quite done with Tropic Thunder. I didn't mm -hmm. want to bail on Ben, yeah. but I also uh, didn't really want to work on the movie back then. Like mm -hmm. I had had, I had just gone through the experience of working on Spider-Man three with Sam Raimi. I'm, I loved Spider-Man as a kid in general. I was, that was an incredibly difficult and, and uh, punishing experience working on that movie. 
Uh, and I didn't want to, and I like kind of never wanted to hear about Spider-Man again at that point. Right. Yeah. Like, so I did not want to have that same experience with Indiana yes. Jones. Right. Like I, I, yes. I wanted to keep continue being a fan. Yeah. And so I didn't pursue it back then. I didn't pursue working on the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and, but you know what, when this one came up and it's, uh, you know, lockdown times, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, and it was, it, it just seemed like that was the right thing to do. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, it certainly was the right thing to do because I worked on it for nearly two years mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and it got me through the pandemic and everything. And, uh, uh, but, uh, and I, th- I feel like I, uh, you know, I, I came through this still loving Indiana Jones and still, you know, still like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, still, you know, loving those movies. I, mm-hmm. I don't, it didn't, it didn't kill it. For me. I have to ask you this question. After you hung up the phone, after you get a call saying, hey, there's a movie, Harrison Ford, Bullwhip. Yeah, yeah. The movie's titled Sabrina 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, no, but go ahead, finish your question. As soon as you hung up the phone, what was your reaction? Well, it just seemed a little, it, 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 it almost seemed, you know, it seems a little bit surreal or a little bit like this, is this a real thing, you know? And, um, but, and I was excited about it. I was excited about it. Like I, uh, you know, I, I, the only day that I was in the office was going in to read mm-hmm. prior drafts of, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. Spielberg had been developing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over, you know, in the years since Crystal Skull. Yes. And, uh, you know, and reading those, it, it was clear that they had just never quite found it. And clearly mm-hmm. Spielberg knew that they had never quite found it. And, yes. you know, uh, and like uh, and he had, you know, he wanted to make the Fable ones. And that's that's what, you know, I mean, the earliest production meeting that we had once the movie was kind of crewed up and really going uh, was, you know, that Kathy Kennedy basically ran, you know, she was like, you know, Spielberg, you know, that's Steven, you know, wanted to, you know, make the movie, but mm-hmm. that that he was passionate about making the Fablemans and this was the opportunity for him to make it. And at that point, that movie was not announced and nobody knew about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, and like it made a lot of sense to me. And honestly, I actually really like the Fablemans. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that he made that movie. And, uh, uh, you know, I so like, but it's, uh, you know, it is a weird thing, though. When you're working on something, it's very different from being a fan. It's like mm-hmm. you have to put on a level of kind of dispassionate like uh that's probably not using that word correctly in in fact but like uh but you have to kind of distance yourself from stuff yeah you have to be you know and like especially doing what i do i found that i absolutely have to be critical of stuff Mm -hmm. not think about not think about stuff as a fan think about think about it as a filmmaker and think about the the you know the effective ways to to do things and you know uh you know, there are many fanish sort of things that could, you know, that that were possibly going to be in the movie. And if it didn't seem like it was serving the story, mm-hmm. I was always against it because, like, I yeah. think that it's, you know, the important thing is to be telling a story and uh, and telling a story that that people aren't just enjoying because it has references to things they remember in the past. It has to be working on its own terms. And that's yes. the way I always approach No, thank you very much. Gabriel, thank you for thank you for that. We're slowly um wind, we're mm, I'm gonna start slowly wrapping this portion up and we'll start talking about your Patreon. I have to ask you, what was the experience like at the premiere? Because I know on Twitter you're posting pictures. 
it was great. It was great. The premiere was great. Uh, it, you know, uh, the, we were, uh, you know, we had pretty good seats up towards the front, the, uh, uh, the me and my girlfriend Brunel mm -hmm. and, uh, the, and like the, uh, you know, the Harrison and Spielberg and George Lucas come out mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, Kathy Kennedy and they, they're mm -hmm. like, uh, and they're out to introduce the, the movie. And then they're like, oh, but wait here, we have this first. And like the curtains rise and John Williams is there conducting a full orchestra. And like, it was beautiful. It was just a beautiful thing to experience. And uh, the, and I, you know, it was, you know, it was great seeing the film for the, I mean, I'd seen the film before. I mean, yeah. I'd seen it actually multiple different times at different stages throughout mm -hmm. the, you know, editing and sound mixing. But like, it was great to see it just, on a big screen you know and it played well in the room and i do think the movie and the yes. um and like uh and the you know and then at the after party it was just you know it's 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 the everybody's hanging out and it's the and it's uh um you know uh sala is is talking to short round and the you know and like mm -hmm. uh the you know and the uh um and then i finally got a chance to meet harrison which was great because i was never on set and you know yes. and obviously he uh i don't know if you know this but he was indiana jones and yes. he was on solo and he, <laughs> he was the you know certainly the guy from my childhood and so um uh, so it was it was it was great to meet Harrison. It was a particularly Harrison like experience to, mm -hmm. to meet him. He uh, and uh, he uh, and like uh, uh, it, it was it, it was good to to finally get a chance to, uh, you know, to, to to talk to the guy and meet him and everything, especially after, you know, doing some off the cuff question, because like you said, when, you know, you saw Raiders in these theaters as a little kid, what Gabriel Hardman now? If you can go back in time, tell that little kid, what would you tell that little kid after he comes out as Raiders of the Lost Ark? What would you tell him? Uh, well, I think I would, I don't have any idea. Like, I, I think that uh, I would tell that kid uh, to go to USC film school, regardless of its value, which I don't think it has much. Uh, <laughs> the only value it has in, is that uh, there's a, the, you know, it, it gets you someplace, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so like, I think that I, I would have, uh, you know, uh, I never would have been able to afford it. I didn't grow up with any yeah. money, but, uh, but like, I, uh, I think that I, I would have, uh, uh, told them to focus, uh, you know, focus more on, uh, you know, doing what he could to get, you know, to get in the film business in a way that was more conventional mm -hmm. because, uh, because it, uh, it would help in the long run, uh, because, you know, I, I knew I knew that I wanted to be a filmmaker from then, from mm -hmm. like, yes. the, you know, or at least very soon after that, when I kind of realized that it wasn't so much archaeology I was excited about as the filmmakers, you yes. know. And so mm -hmm. uh, and like uh, and Raiders is just a great movie yes. that bridges being, you know, very broad entertainment, but very brilliant filmmaking. Yes, it that's the perfect segue to my next question. Excuse me. Did you buy the book, The Making of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, when you were a kid? I don't believe that I had that book, actually. Okay. I, uh, you know, I had, uh, I, because they're just, I didn't, you know, I didn't always have access to a lot of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I lived in uh, small towns for the most part growing up. Although, you know, we, uh, you know, when I saw the movie, we lived in Northern California, but, you know, when we go to san francisco mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, but like, I didn't have, we didn't have all the money in the world. And I didn't have all the access in the world to, uh, mm-hmm. to stuff. So, uh, you know, apart from having the Raiders of the Lost Ark storybook, I don't remember having a lot else. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, although I did collect the toys. Oh, uh, yes. Briefly existed. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I'm, I mean, I'm a huge, huge Star Wars fan and, uh, yes. you know, Star Wars has always meant a lot to me and I've also kind of avoided working on Star Wars. We'll see Which if I... that can continue or not. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and um, the, uh, but like I, but the, certainly, I don't know, there's just something special to me about indie and Raiders in the sense of mm-hmm. like, scope and adventure and the yes. way that it's the, the filmmaking, the filmmaking in uh, in Raiders in particular is superior to the filmmaking in the Star Wars movies even as much as I love it. Yeah. And it's that, you know, that innate ability that Spielberg has. Make you see what you want to see and mm-hmm. uh, express emotion at the same time. Now, this is going to lead to my um, next question. I don't know which comic book, which comic book publisher has the rights to the Indiana Jones, but if someone calls you, go, hey, would you like to do a five-part um, Indiana Jones miniseries? You have I a think story. It's highly unlikely now. It would be Marvel because you okay. know uh, yeah, because it's it's Lucasfilm and so yeah. own, you know I mean unless they license it to somebody else. But the uh, but uh, this was something that uh, that actually uh, while we were working on the movie, I brought up the idea of me doing a, a, a an indie miniseries that would maybe be like a prequel to it set during World War II to Jim Mangold while we were you know while we were working on it. Uh, Jim's response was, "You spent all this time on Indiana Jones, and you just want to you you want to spend like months more working on Indiana Jones." Uh, and uh, but um, not that I mean I I don't think it was not that that meant it was off the table to do it. Uh, that was his uh, personal reaction. But the um, but like uh, the and I actually reached out to an editor at Marvel Comics about this uh, and uh, who would have been the editor responsible for it. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, so a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, maybe too much inside comic books here, but that company is not the greatest a lot of the time. And, uh, and so I, uh, um, you know, I got, I, while this is somebody that I'd been friendly with in the past on this particular thing, they gave me, I got no response. So, uh, Mm. so I, it's not like I didn't try to make it happen. I I actually was something that I would have liked to do. Um, at this point, it's fine that I didn't do it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not worried about those kind of things either way. Oh, yeah. uh, but it. Uh, but it, it was something that I that I I made an effort to do. And I'll tell you, I could do a really good Indiana Jones comic. Everybody I, thinks it's not something that could you know mm-hmm. that, that works in comics. I could do the version of. I guarantee. I but it's not going to happen. So you know, don't worry about it. Well, well, well <laughs> let's 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 because we kind of talk about movies. I'm sorry because I, I I'm not too much of a movie buff, but. It's like that James Bond title, Never Say Never. Yeah, never sure. <laughs> you never know. I just, but, I mean, I don't think that there's the appetite currently, but. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, that's, but I like, think that's the thing. Uh, uh, and I don't think there's ever been an appetite for indie comics because they've just never been that successful. But, yeah. uh, but, you know, as a kid, I would pick up those Marvel oh, yes. indie comics and eh, they were okay. They were fine, but I never felt like I was getting a comparable experience out of it. Yes. And that's. You know, I used to do, you know, some, you know, uh, Star Wars comic and, and the Planet of the Apes books you mentioned and stuff. Yes. And the idea with those was like, tell a story that's a compelling story, but also make it feel like the world of that, you know, make it yes. feel mm-hmm. the tone be, you know, mm-hmm. recognizable as, as the world of the thing you're setting it in. So often 
licensed comics just because, you know, in a lot of circumstances, they don't pay well or there's a lot of interference from rights holder. Mm -hmm. uh, they end up just not being great comics. But my experience had always been with the Apes comics, with the Star Wars comic, uh, um, and with the Alien comic I did. I did oh, an yes, Alien, right. uh, wrote and drew a uh, comic, Aliens Dust to Dust, uh, right. for Dark Horse. That, uh, which is currently available in the fourth Marvel Aliens omnibus that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's out there. Um, that, like, my intent is, like, make this feel like you're getting another entry in that world right yes. like something that mm -hmm. feel, feels like that world and uh i, I absolutely think that the, i mean i'm built i'm made to do that within shows <laughs> right i mean yeah you know, but look i worked on the movie i put a lot into those those sequences if there's anything that i that uh you know that i feel like i'm kind of made to do it's figure out indiana jones action sequences so mm -hmm. uh like but you know, I'm all, but I'm also a writer and I'm, uh, I'd also would have loved to do, uh, do, do a comic. Gabriel, thank you very much for talking about that. I'm going to ask, okay, promote your Patreon page because you, you are going to also have a crime noir, um, kind of sort of like a newspaper strip called yeah. Below the Line. Please feel free to talk about your Patreon page. So, uh, this is just me doing something that, uh, that I, I, just that I'm personally excited about doing. I've never, like, while I've done lots of, you know, particularly sci-fi oriented yes. comics, I, I just, I've, one of the things that I love the most are film noir and, uh, and you know, the crime genre in, in particular. And I've never really gotten the chance to do that kind of thing. In mm -hmm. comics. And uh, so I just kind of set out to do something that was exactly what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. on my schedule mm -hmm. uh, yes. and uh you know and just uh the the way actually the way i've approached uh creator on comics in general certainly with uh, with kinski with the belfry uh i just made the book first before mm. approaching anybody right mm, like okay. i made yes. the book i wanted to make and then uh, with the belfry i just wrote and drew a 22 page comic i come i finished it it was ready to go to the printer mm -hmm. and then i wrote to eric stevenson at, at image comics and was like hey i made this one shot i don't know if image puts out one shots or not but mm -hmm. it's done and ready to go and yes. he was like great let's do it right mm -hmm. so uh like my you know i'm i'm all about not asking for permission for things mm -hmm. so like particularly in comics where unlike in films which cost you know millions of dollars no matter what you do in comics i can do the whole thing so yes. like i uh i my intention was to just to make this this tell the story whether i you know ha on my own right mm -hmm. without without getting permission first but uh i but lately had gotten very much into reading uh newspaper comic strips from like the 30s and 40s mm -hmm. 50s a little bit and uh and really inspired by this very different form and it, like uh the the form of telling a story uh in uh in a newspaper strip style is radically different from uh yes. from a 22 page comic or mm -hmm. 120 page graphic novel and i like i just really loved uh the idea of the challenge of that it mm -hmm. also and also the story i'm telling is about 1947 hollywood and mm -hmm. it's uh you know a, a crime story set in that world and it just felt so right to be a comic strip, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, even though the content of it is not necessarily, you know, gonna, you know, it's not 
it's nothing, you know, a lot of it's nothing you could run in a newspaper in the 40s, oh, yes. but mm. the, uh, but like, uh, that I, I liked the idea of that. I liked the challenge of that. Uh, and, uh, and so I just decided that I was gonna, that I was gonna, my, the initial version of it, I would just, as I worked on it, I would put it on Patreon. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, my, my Patreon is like my Instagram, it's Gabriel Hardman art mm -hmm. and, uh, and it'll, uh, and in the end of January, I'm going to mm -hmm. start posting, uh, posting the comics. I need to do enough to get a little bit of head. And, uh, and it's, and it's basically to be seeing me work on the first, the, and eventually this will come out as a book, right? Eventually yeah. this will be a graphic novel, mm -hmm. but the, um, but like, uh, because I can, the way that I am, uh, the way that I'm structuring this, the, the strip, I, I'm also thinking of it in a way that could be reformatted for traditional mm -hmm. comic pay. So like, uh, I, you know, it will ultimately it'll be that, but, uh, but this is a chance to see me work on the thing as a, mm -hmm. you know, as it goes, uh, read it as in, uh, as a serial, as it goes. And, uh, but also, uh, when I launch the Patreon, I'll be, uh, posting, storyboards from uh from films nice. i'll post mm -hmm. indiana jones storyboards i'll mm -hmm. post uh um things pages of comics nobody's seen before that never yes. got published uh uh you know i have projects that you know uh uh that's currently projects that will never get be finished like invisible mm -hmm. republic but there's some work on it that was that i did mm -hmm. that I'll, I'll publish there's you know uh i i have half of a graphic novel called the crooked man uh, mm -hmm. 1906 san francisco that uh for several reasons didn't happen uh but i uh but you know so things like that and ephemera from you know movies i've worked on and uh old storyboards and whatever so like uh, uh there'll be a lot of stuff there'll be you know uh a kind of basic tier where you get all that other stuff with the storyboards and everything mm -hmm. and then there'll be these these the slightly higher tier uh where you uh you get the the you know the noir comic is so cool Gabriel, thank you very much. I'm going to ask two more questions because we're out of time, but I'm going to ask sure. you this. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? Uh, I've I've only been to Hawaii once. I was in Kauai like 10 oh, years ago, more than that, probably 15 mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. So it's been quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, I mean, I'd certainly love to go back. Last question. Any closing words to our listeners? Uh, I just uh, hopefully, uh, you know, well, a hopefully you just enjoyed the discussion here. Like that—that's that, my word to the listener. Mm -hmm. But uh, but the uh, but but also, you know, by all means, check out my uh, my Aquaman story and Brave and the Bold's uh, yes. number seven to to nine, and uh, you know, and you know, keep a lookout for the for this Patreon. I think it's going to be an interesting experience for people, and uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty proud of the work done. Mahalo, thank you in Hawaiian. Just Gabriel. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. I wish you continued success as a storyboard artist. It, it sounds like you, you have a lot on your plate. You have people calling you. It's That sounds great. I wish you continued success with the Brave and the Bold stories. Um, and also the your Patreon page. I, you know, I wish you success with that. Um, I want to, again, give a big shout out to John Suntress of Word Balloon. John, thank you very much. Now, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Gabriel's Aquaman three-part story that is in the Batman and the Brave and the Bold. Part one is issue seven is out in stores right now. Part two, that's going to be in issue eight, will be out on December 26th. I love part one. I've got the rest of the story um, 
rest of the issues um, on my pull list already. What I love about this, it shows that Aquaman has has a real personal relationship with with not just um, the big fishes like or like whales and or schools of fish, but it shows that he had that individual um, relationship with that one fish. You have to read the story. It's a it's I loved it. It was a great scene. I really did. Um, right. And, Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. And you know, um, and also too, um, Gabriel. I'm being serious on this part. You know, listeners, if you have a friend who loves comics, please pick up, um, you know, this Batman anthology issue seven to nine and give them as give it to them as either you know as a bladed Christmas present or a Christmas present. Um, you know, I love this anthology series. You know, it gives spotlights on, you know, some of um DC's lesser known characters or you know some characters that like Aquaman will have his own series for a little while and then he kind of drops out of sight for a little while. Or the other thing I love is that um, in issue seven, they have um, Wild Dog. And I have to show you this, Gabriel. I bought this because I saw Kyle Stark. I was like, oh my God, I love the Wild Dog miniseries in the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was definitely, you know, that that was, I think that made an impact on a lot of people back then. I certainly (laughs) remember it. And also two listeners, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Again, it's currently on Disney+. Plus. I love this film because I love the mood of the film. It's very different from the other films. I love it because um, it just shows Indiana Jones literally that, you know, his his adventure days are over. But yet his life still continues on. It's kind of nice about how it kind of shows a nice chapter of how one chapter ends for him and another one begins. Also, to please keep an eye out for Gabriel's Patreon page. I am Gabriel. I'm I'm being honest. I am really looking forward to checking out Below the Line. I really am. Great. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Great. I want to thank Drew, the close of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. RLCS is Cowabunga Comics, Lake Country's Wisconsin's best pop culture destination for new comics, back issues, gaming, retro video games, vinyl, and figures. Give them a call, 262-569-9999. Check them out online at cowabungacomics.com or follow them on Twitter at Incredical. They are our LCS and we utilize their deep discount mail order service to bring Oconomowoc, Wisconsin closer to us. They'll take care of you. Tell them Drew and Kyle sent you. Say hi to Eric and James from us. If you need an LCS, you can't go wrong with Cowabunga Comics. In a world ravaged by war and chaos, a group of survivors must band together to brave the dangers of a post-apocalyptic landscape. The year is 2000, and the world has been plunged into darkness. The nuclear fires have burned out, leaving behind a wasteland of ruins and radiation. But amidst the rubble and despair, a glimmer of hope still remains. Join Dork Day Afternoon as they face off against marauding gangs, enemy soldiers, and even the harsh elements themselves in the world of Twilight 2000. Will our heroes survive the challenges ahead? Can they keep their own humanity intact? Or will they succumb to the harsh realities of life after the end of the world? Two Past Midnight, an actual play podcast by Dork Day Afternoon.